What's going on guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet today for February the 26th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. I hope that this one finds you well and if you are brand new to the program, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I'll let you guys know what's going on in the industry that we all do love so dearly. Now today, we have quite a bit of news to discuss because THQ Nordic made quite a decision today uh, that definitely is changing the way many people do perceive the company and those behind the scenes. And of course, that was without a doubt worthy of being our headliner for tonight. Now, on top of that, a late-breaking story, The Walking Dead creators have killed Overkill's The Walking Dead game. A bit of a contra... Like, it the entire game itself has been a very uh, rocky road traveled type of situation, but today officially there is no console version of Overkill's The Walking Dead coming as we have been talking about over the past few weeks. Instead, the entire game itself is dead and now they are actually talking about how they want to go forward distributing the game to players via Steam. Definitely not looking good for the guys over there behind the scenes for that game. On top of that, ArenaNet has officially laid off a number of employees ahead of the NCSoft West merger. Trials Rising eShop screens look shockingly different as compared to the actual in-game footage that you get when you do buy the game. Baptiste is your new Overwatch support hero. Farming RPG Stardew Valley is finally coming to Android. And remember Check's Quest? It's coming back. We'll talk more about that on today's show. Uh, but those are the topics for today's podcast. And again, just to remind you, the show is hosted here live on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you did want to dive in and check out the hottest news of the day. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, THQ Nordic holds an AMA on an image board known for child porn. Let me read that again. THQ Nordic held an AMA and Ask Me Anything, a discussion-based kind of collaborative effort between them and the community on an image board known for child porn. Let's dive into it. Today, Darksiders publisher THQ Nordic opted to host an Ask Me Anything session to offer its audience an opportunity to have questions about its businesses and games answered. This would be utterly unremarkable had it not opted to host said AMA on 8chan, an image born known for not safe for work content of all kinds, including hate speech, child pornography, harassment, and on top of that, abuse. None of which are, you know, equal to, they're all evil things. Uh, in the tweets shown above, THQ Nordic announced the AMA and then about 30 minutes later offered a follow-up tweet after receiving a wave of criticism for the AMA on social media. Quote, the opportunity was here and we took it, it reads. We got approached in a very friendly and polite manner and we're assured, said person, shout out to Mark, we'll take care of the nasty stuff, so here we are. 45 minutes into the AMA itself, and in addition to various questions and requests for new Destroy All Humans, which is actually one thing I can back, the discussion is full of suggestive and outright pornographic images, references to Hitler, Nazis, and Gamergate, slurs, and other similar content. One user replied to the AMA with, please don't censor any games nor appeal to the social justice crowd. You guys are doing just fine as is. And in response, the PR and marketing director Philip Brock responded, thanks, we'll try to stay that way. The hole, it continues to get deeper as time goes on. Brock later told game, GamesIndustry.biz, excuse me, that his reply was, quote, in relation to us not censoring our games. 
8chan, for those that don't know, was founded in 2013 by Frederick Brennan, a programmer who started the site in an effort to restore what he saw as the loss of free speech across the internet. The board has no rules beyond prohibiting posts including content illegal here in the United States. A quick glance at the 8chan Wikipedia page's table of contents offers a reasonably accurate overview of the kind of content that has resulted. In addition to the aforementioned pornographic content and hate speech, 8chan has served as a hub for various harassment campaigns, including Gamergate after 4chan banned discussion of the topic. In 2015, Ars Technica reported that the prevalence of child pornography and posts containing child abuse caused the site to be temporarily delisted from Google search results. Now, Brock offered the following statement to GamesIndustry.biz when questioned about the decision to hold the AMA. Quote, I personally agreed to this AMA without doing my proper due diligence to understand the history and the controversy of the site. I do not condone child pornography, white supremacy, or racism in any shape or form. I am terribly sorry for the short-sightedness of my decision and promise to be far more vigorous in my assessment of these activities in the future. This was not about being edgy. This blew up and I very much regret to have done it in the first place. And we have two updates to the story. When pressed further on if there was a reason why he kept the AMA going after the criticism began pouring in, Brock replied, yes, I was effing overwhelmed. I don't like to cuss on the podcast. Effing overwhelmed with a plethora of different emotions, to be honest. I am not a white supremacist, nor do I, or excuse me, let me, let me start over just to make, just to make sure the statement is clear. I am not a white supremacist, nor into child pornography, nor do I think this AMA was smart in hindsight. And if I could, I would undo, he concluded. Now for the second update. When asked for comment, THQ CEO Lars Wingfors said the PR and marketing manager at THQ Nordic had already commented on it through Twitter, which again, the pretty much same sentiment is brought up on Twitter. So what I want to talk about here is number one, if you are going to take this at face value, it does appear to be that they were approached by 8chan to actually hold an AMA on their site, and therefore THQ Nordic said, hey, an opportunity to collaborate with the community and talk to those that play our games. Let's just hypothetically say they didn't Google search 8chan beforehand, they had no idea what the site actually was, and they got, you know, kind of into it, and then they realized, hey... This isn't exactly what we thought that it was. That is if you take it at face value. And so if that is what you perceive this situation to be, then my response to this is you need to do more due diligence in doing research into where you actually post an AMA or in general, any kind of communication, especially if you are representing a company. Now, with that being said, uh, when the AMA began to get going and a lot of the content began to, you know, uh, get posted to the board, some of which was very inappropriate in nature, a lot of the responses were actually relatively collaborating with that type of content. What I mean by that is that, quite frankly, they began to collaborate with the scum uh, that tends to be over there on 8chan. And so whenever I see stuff like that, whenever I see you genuinely playing into what appears to be a discussion within one of the most disgusting communities on the internet, I begin to think, hey, you might actually know what 8chan is and you might actually be here because you think it's a good idea. Uh, so with all of that being said, if you take it at face value of what they're saying on Twitter, uh, then number one, make sure you know where you are actually holding your AMA next time. Number two, if you take it for what I personally believe it actually is, uh, this is a very, very bad move that reflects a lot of the personality of at least the PR marketing guys over there behind the scenes at THQ Nordic. This is something that is, uh, without a doubt, um, 
fireable. I don't know even where to go with this. This is awful. You know, uh, I, I actually couldn't believe my eyes whenever I saw the link. As a matter of fact, my friend Ethan Bernard actually sent me a link to it. You can check out his stuff on YouTube and I will link him down below. Uh, but essentially he sent me this and he said, don't click on the link. But I did want to let you know that this is something that THQ Nordic is doing. And my first response was that I thought they actually got hacked. I thought that somebody had found the password and decided to do an AMA on 8chan. I didn't expect the actual company itself to willingly participate in this type of content. That blows my mind. So with that being said, this is something that happened today. Now in the chat, Spike says, why wouldn't you see what everyone else is using for AMA? I, again, believe that they were approached by 8chan from an external source and said, hey, would you guys be willing to do an AMA over here? At least that's what I'm gathering from the tweets. Of course, everybody else hosts their collaborative AMAs over on Reddit, uh, where it generally is a much better idea to do so. Uh, so if you are a company representative listening to this podcast, uh, the first thing that I want to say is, hi, how are you? Welcome on into the show. The second thing is don't host it on 8chan, 4chan, or any other kind of image board that is pretty much a, a hive of scum and villain. Uh, and number three, just host it on Reddit. That's where everybody goes anyway for that type of content. So with that being said, again, mind-blowingly bad decision from the guys at THQ Nordic today. One that very well could uh, bring a lot of blowback for them in the future because the company in and of itself is not necessarily big enough to do well coming out of this. I don't think they're going to go under because of this bad PR, uh, but it definitely is going to have a dent, at least in the next couple of months, as they try and backpedal on the decision to do this type of thing. But again, don't do this. And if you are on 8chan, get off of it. You'll be a better person because of it. Now, moving on to the next topic of the day, The Walking Dead creators have killed Overkill's The Walking Dead game, something that very well should have been done long, long ago. Skybound Entertainment, the company founded by David Alpert and The Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman, terminated its contract Tuesday with developer Starbreeze Studios and killed off the studio's game Overkill's The Walking Dead. The game will no longer be released on console and Valve, is finalizing its strategy for how to handle the sale of the PC version of the game on Steam. In a statement sent to Variety, Skybound Entertainment said it was terminating its contract with the studio. Quote, Our creators and their stories are the core of Skybound, and since 2014 we have worked hard to expand the world of The Walking Dead into an exceptional co-op action FPS, according to the statement. We did our best to work with Starbreeze and resolve many issues that we saw within the game, but ultimately, Overkill's The Walking Dead did not meet our standards, nor is it the quality that we were promised. We are exceedingly sorry to our fans and share the disappointment of the game. We remain dedicated to providing our fans with the most premium quality content we can offer, and we will continue to look for alternative video game options for the IP. The news comes as Starbreeze Studios continues to struggle with the poor reaction to Overkill's The Walking Dead. The company made about $3.65 million from the game, but it was considered a flop. Shortly after the game's release, Starbreeze opted to review cost and then filed for reconstruction the next month, as we've all talked about here on Caffeinate many a time. In Starbreeze's The Walking Dead shooter, players work to build an encampment and then keep it safe by going on runs and helping out those inside the encampment and those who may join. While the game has the initial look and feel of a typical shooter like Battlefield or Call of Duty, but with zombies, it doesn't take long for players to realize they need to be much more cautious in their approach, both with zombies and the non-friendly humans. In a 2018 interview, and they go on to say more about the game and what they see here, uh, but what we have here is essentially the failure of a game that should have 
been an incredibly huge success for Starbreeze because if there's one thing that the media has proven over the course of the past decade, it's that people love The Walking Dead and so a genuinely good co-op based Walking Dead game should have done incredibly well if it had been handled appropriately. Now of course there was a big marketing campaign leading up to the release of Overkill's The Walking Dead on PC. I saw some of the biggest streamers on Twitch playing the game on launch and even with all of that build up, the game only generated 3.65 million in revenue now you might be saying Sam that's 3.65 million dollars that's a lot of cash right there when it comes down to it though you're talking about a giant game that very well was borderline a triple-a experience that also featured the name the walking dead that should have been a big seller one that could potentially be a big seller going into the next year of course that would have been 2019 so to see it not coming out on PS4 and Xbox One is not something that is shocking because again we saw uh, people begun to get refunded or began to get refunded uh, over the past couple of weeks from PlayStation Network and so whenever PSN begins to give your money back that's when you know the time has probably come for the game to be shut down indefinitely. Uh, so will we ever see a really truly good genuinely awesome Walking Dead game more than likely but it has to be put into the right hands uh, and I think that one that is put into the hands of a very capable FPS developer maybe one uh, that is brought together by a collaboration between the Walking Dead guys and a genuinely fantastic well-known AAA studio that would be a big seller especially if it is done well uh, so we'll see what happens with the future of the Walking Dead games but if you were concerned about overkills the Walking Dead coming out on PS4 and Xbox one you don't have to worry about that and now the game is pretty much dead on PC. I wouldn't recommend buying it because updates are probably going to be few and far between. There is literally no reason to own this game going into the rest of 2019. None at all. But moving on to the next story of the day, ArenaNet lays off a number of employees ahead of the NCSoft West merger. The staffing cuts were confirmed last week and have now been solidified. Guild Wars developer ArenaNet has laid off a number of employees as part of a process that will see the company merge with NCSoft West. A company rep confirmed with GameDaily.biz that the cuts took place as part of NCSoft's ongoing restructuring of its development and publishing business in the West, although specific numbers were not revealed. The layoffs were reported and then confirmed late last week when ArenaNet said that staff reductions would occur as a result of the cancellation of unannounced projects. The company rep said that the time the layoffs are a part of a larger organizational restructuring structuring within NCSoft in the West, excuse me, but added that there would be no impact on the Guild Wars games or any upcoming content. Lead game designer Jennifer Schurl, I believe that's how you say that last name, who remains with ArenaNet, said on Twitter that the company handled the cuts well. Many of the most talented, driven, and skilled people, friends, and colleagues didn't get to keep their job. It's been one of the most agonizing things I've ever experienced, she wrote. This is true, despite feeling that ArenaNet handled the awful situation as well as you can handle a situation where everybody loses, it's credit to a compassionate and skilled HR department that we are given as much information and time as we were. Slightly contradicting its announcement last week, ArenaNet also said today that the release of the Warclaw, a new Guild Wars 2 World vs. World mount, has been delayed until March the 5th. In light of current events at the studio, we are taking this time to focus on our friends and colleagues, the studio wrote. We hope you understand and we apologize for this delay. Now again, as I say any time that we have any kind of layoff discussions here on the show, number one, I hope that everybody does land on their feet. I hope that you find new work uh, because as we all know, the gaming industry is filled to the brim with people of incredible talent uh, and of incredible skill that any company is going to be lucky to have. And so I hope that everybody does find work later on down the line. 
With that being said, this is probably out of all of the layoff coverage that I've had over the past few months, the best handling of a layoff situation to date, uh, because they gave people a very large, uh, you know, warning ahead of time that this was actually coming of what I understand. There was a pretty solid severance package as well, letting people know. And on top of that, giving them the means to, you know, support themselves while they do find extra work is something that is incredibly good and something that very well should be a requirement when it comes to layoffs and a general expectation going forward. So again, I just wanted to let you guys know that that actually happened and something we talked about last week has officially come to reality. Uh, so again, my apologies to those affected by the layoffs. Now let's move on to Trials Rising, because this is a game that I talked about on this past week's episode of The Drop. Of course, that video came out Sunday. You can check it out on the channel right now. But The Drop is essentially a video series where I let you guys know what games are coming out across the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, the Switch, the PC. Whatever they might be coming out on, we will talk about it right on that show. Uh, but of course, Trials Rising was our headliner for the week, and I had seen some discussion about the fact that the game didn't necessarily perform as well on the Nintendo Switch as it did on PS4 and Xbox. Xbox One, which is relatively expected. I mean, that's kind of something that you kind of uh, would anticipate going into a Switch version of the game versus the game being played on a PS4 Pro. However, the marketing team behind the scenes figured, hey, what's the difference? Because Tetris Rising has different screenshots on the eShop as compared to the actual game itself when it's playing on the Switch. Video games rarely look as beautifully composed as promotional screenshots, but the Switch version of Trials Rising does not look anything like the screenshots on its Nintendo Store page. In fact, it seems like those screens are from another version of the game entirely. Trials Rising came out today on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and the Nintendo Switch. Many of the screenshots used to advertise the games on each of those platforms' digital stores are identical, even the ones for the Nintendo Switch, despite the fact that its version of Trials Rising is clearly not as visually detailed as the others. Now, here is a screenshot from the Egypt level that appears in the Nintendo Switch eShop on the website as well, uh, and here is the actual level in the game. So again, this is via a YouTube screenshot. Clearly, uh, there is a lot of definitive difference here between these two versions of the game. I do want to make it clear for audio listeners, though, the game on the Switch still doesn't look that bad. I mean, it's not like a PlayStation Vita game. It still looks very solid and the textures look good in and of themselves. But of course, it's not going to look like a PS4 Pro. But of course, here is the level as it appears in the Digital Foundry analysis of the Switch version of the game. And so, clearly you can see that it has been toned down a good bit as compared to the other version of the game. Uh, so the Switch version doesn't look bad per se, they say in the Kotaku article, but it is missing a great deal of environmental features like rocks, stages, trees, shadows, and an entire Jumbotron setup. And here is an actual video comparison, which you can find both on Kotaku's site as well as over there on Digital Foundry. Those guys do some pretty impressive stuff. And of course, we're not going to watch the video, but you get the gist of it. Other levels are more similar. The Grand Canyon stage, for instance, matches up pretty well with the one that appears on other platforms and in one other promotional screenshot for the Switch version. Now, when asked for comment about the discrepancy on its website, Nintendo referred Kotaku to Ubisoft, the game's publisher, who did not immediately respond. But it's looking like the Switch isn't the optimal platform for playing Trials Rising. Who would have thought? I never would have guessed. Uh, so what you need to know here is that if you want to play Trials Rising on the go, you are going to have to trade off for graphical fidelity. You are not going to be getting a 60 frames per second version of Trials Rising. On top of that, the game isn't going to look that beautiful. 
whenever it comes down to the nitty-gritty inside of the console itself, it is not as powerful as a PlayStation 4 Pro, and therefore you cannot experience any kind of optimization to be nearly the equivalent of playing on better hardware. I'm sorry, that's just quite frankly how it is, and that's how it is for every single game. Uh, but again, if you did want to play it, the game is still solid, I'm sure. But if you did want to get the best experience of Trials Rising, uh, then I would recommend PS4, Xbox One, or PC, as we all know. But again, if you don't mind trading off a little bit of that graphical fidelity, then hey, you can play it on a bus, on a plane, on a train. Wherever you might be going, you can play Trials Rising there. So it just depends on your lifestyle and what you want out of your games. Personally, if I had to choose, I'd say PS4, but that's just me. Of course, it depends on your own life and your own choice. But let's talk about Overwatch, because Baptiste is your new Overwatch support hero, and he is a medic from Haiti, out now on the PTR. The next Overwatch hero has been announced, and like previous teases indicated, Baptiste is a medic. Baptiste is the latest support hero to be added to the Overwatch roster. According to his origin story, Jean-Baptiste Augustin hails from Haiti and was the victim of the Omnic War, which left him orphaned. He, is, uh, excuse me, he joined the forces fighting the Omni Omnics? I, I, I haven't played Overwatch in a very long extended period of time, so I apologize. But he joined the forces fighting the Omnics as a medic, and after the war was over, he had an issue finding work. He was eventually hired by Talon, but after the group started behaving like a bunch of criminals, he left Talon, thus becoming a wanted man. Apparently, he knows too much and needs to be taken out or brought back to the fold. The new Overwatch hero was first teased last week. Blizzard has updated the hero page on the official site, and you can try Baptiste out for yourself on the PTR right now. Uh, but overall, here is what you can expect from the new character. Uh, essentially, he's got a bionic launcher, uh, which launches a three-round burst. Uh, bionic launcher. That sounds pretty cool. A regenerative burst. Sounding out words here on the podcast. Uh, immortally field. Immortality field. I swear I can read. I promise. It's been a long day. Uh, but essentially, everything you would expect from a support. Also, three-star difficulty. So take that into consideration when you are checking out the new hero. Uh, but you can pretty much expect him to be updated on the official full version of the game probably sometime la uh, next week. Uh, so if you did want to dive in on the PTR right now and give the new character a shot, uh, you can check out what hero Baptiste is whenever it comes to are you going to be a main or are you going to be, oh man, it's Baptiste again. Is it going to be that kind of thing for you? And of course, if you are still playing Overwatch, tons of new content has rolled out over the past few years. So congratulations, brand new hero coming your way. Now, if you're a fan of Stardew Valley, guess what? The game is finally going to be coming to Android, so you better get your spring crops ready for the March 14th launch not too far away. About five months after the delightful farming RPG Stardew Valley came to iOS, it is finally ready for Android. The now three-year-old game will be available on Google Play Store for eight bucks on March the 14th, meaning Android users will no longer need the Nintendo Switch to manage their virtual farms on the go. In the zen-like farming simulator, players inherit an old farm and have to turn the land with some hand-me-down tools and a few coins. First a PC game, the indie hit has since been ported to PS4, Xbox, and other consoles. It quickly became a fan favorite on the Switch, and last year it was turned into a multiplayer game, though mobile versions do not yet support this feature. Since the iOS version launched in October, the game's publisher Chucklefish and creator Concerned Ape have made a few changes. A save at any time, pinch at zoom, and new controls including a virtual joystick. 
The Android version also adds options to tend to your flocks in Korean, Italian, French, and Turkish, or the six other previously supported languages. And so you can always pre-register for the game right now on the Android store if you did want to check it out. Uh, but overall, fantastic game uh, for whenever you have some downtime. If you come home after a long day of class or work and you want to lay down on your bed, perfect opportunity for eight bucks to play Stardew Valley, which of course is a deal in and of itself. Very, very good game for those that like that style of gameplay. Uh, but I do want to say uh, that the reason it's eight bucks is because there are no microtransactions in the game. Could they have made this a free-to-play game and absolutely thrown tons and tons of loot boxes and microtransactions down your throat? Absolutely, but they chose to instead go for the, hey, pay me $8 like a traditional game purchase, and uh, here's the game. Enjoy. And that's what I like the most about Stardew Valley on the iOS and the Android stores. Uh, so if you did want to check it out, again, coming out March the 14th, just in time for the spring crops. But let's say that's not necessarily your thing. Let's say you have been hankering for a remake of Check's Quest, because guess what? We are finally getting Check's Quest. Nice. And it's free. Who doesn't like free? Food for thought, they say over at Destructoid. Chowing down on cereal is one of childhood's greatest joys. And if your sugary breakfast happened to come with a free prize inside the box, you were on cloud nine. It didn't even matter if the little trinket was pure junk and you got bored with it before your cereal had a chance to get soggy, it was yours. One of the most coveted cereal box prizes in the 90s was Check's Quest, an honest-to-God video game. It was ahead of its time, both as a promotional product and as a non-violent take on the Doom formula. As a matter of fact, side note, stop the presses. Check's Quest is literally a version of Doom that has been pretty much reskinned to be a Chex-based video game. Fun fact. As the Chex Warrior, your goal is to teleport, not kill, mucusy aliens who are causing trouble for human colonists on the planet Bazoik. Your dude rocks armor that looks like a literal giant piece of Chex cereal, and he can wield a spoon. It was a marketing-fueled Doom clone, sure, but as the modding scene has since proven, there's a lot of fun to be had in the wide world of weird, not-that-great Doom remixes. So if you don't have any particular nostalgic fondness for Check's Quest, you might be surprised to learn that the game has enough of a following to receive an HD remake. Over the weekend, we got a brand new trailer. Check's Quest HD is a passion project from lead artist Chuck Jacoby and volunteers created with permission from General Mills. They haven't committed to a release date just yet, but once the game is ready, it'll be free. Like the original, this will be a five-level single-player first-person shooter suitable for all ages, and this is just beautiful. I mean, truly, something that I never thought would see the light of day. But for those that don't know, it really is worth looking into. Now, the reason that I know about Check's Quest is because it was actually a game that pretty much took center stage for a hot minute at last year's Awesome Games Done Quick. It might have even been Summer Games Done Quick, but it was one of those events and somebody speed ran uh, Check's Quest, which was incredibly fun to watch. They showed off all the quirks of the game. And of course, is it going to be the pinnacle of free games? Is it going to compete with Apex Legends? No, but it's a fun little side project for somebody to work on. And it's something that is also so incredibly fun to watch and just a generally fun little uh, fun little game. Now you might be saying, Sam, do we really need this in our lives? No, no. But for those that love gaming culture, for those that love gaming history, this is a really cool HD remake to be getting. And also, I'm sure that Chex doesn't mind the additional marketing that I'm sure that it will get over time. But as you can tell, very much so a Doom-based looking game. Uh, however, again, no definitive release date, but surely going to be coming down the pipe probably by 2020 i would guess maybe late 2019 we'll see what happens and i will let you guys know when it comes out on a brand new episode of the drop 
But with that being said, that wraps up today's episode of Caffeinate. If you did enjoy today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below. And if you happen to be brand new to the podcast, it is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, over on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams, then put up on YouTube and podcast services around the world. But until tomorrow, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of the night, and I certainly hope your night is better than the marketing guy over at THQ Nordic, because it's going to be a rough night for him. Peace.